Welcome to Act Two by Choosing Him Ministries with Tisha Janes and Andrew Pate, a place where life stories are told, encouragement is shared, and hope is found. Good morning and welcome back to Act Two podcast with Choosing Him. I'm Tisha Janes and we're here with Andra Pape. And our guest today is Rebecca Royal. Rebecca, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're thrilled to get to talk with you. Rebecca has a, just an amazing testimony um, of surviving sexual abuse, um, but then using that for her ministry and using that to help encourage others um, in their life choices, you know, mm -hmm. figuring out how to move forward and let God use what bad has happened for his good or for our good and his glory. Um, Rebecca is the owner and founder of Royal Life Ministries, along with her husband, Tim. And so she does a lot of counseling. Um, and I've known many people who've been through and talk with her and she has been such such a blessing in their life. And so um, Rebecca, we're gonna kind of just punt it to you and let us let you tell our listeners about you, um, how you got to um, this place at um, Royal Life. And then we'll transition a little bit into more of the, your glory days right now in, re in retirement, so, kind of <laughs> retirement. <laughs> well, I was raised in a Christian home. We. Uh, Tim and I both born and raised right around Atlanta, so it's really a surprise everybody that we recently moved to Florida, but uh, born in a Christian home, but it was a very dysfunctional Christian home, a lot of uh, abuse growing up, a lot of unhappiness growing up, so I was a pretty uh, sad child as I grew up. Um, got married very quickly because I was pregnant when I was 18. And we got married at 19. I had our son at 20 and um, was just, my head was spinning because I was the little girl that accepted Jesus at six years old and fell madly in love with Jesus. And I was um, leading kids to Christ in school and I was going to grow up and I was going to go to Bible college and my life just took a turn in a completely different direction. I used to like to talk to teenagers about my testimony because you can make a decision in five minutes and it can change your entire life. Mm -hmm. And God redeems that, thankfully. But anyway, I grew up and um, got into a big fight with my dad when I was 18. And I just moved out and got an apartment and met my husband, ended up getting pregnant, uh, got married. And I had absolutely no feelings of love for my husband. I married him because I was pregnant. And it was a disaster, to say the least. Um, I stayed in the marriage because I had a horrible concept of God. I uh, was raised in church, so I didn't believe divorce was an option. I had, um, I, I love to talk about concept of God because many of us see God like we saw our parents. And I had a very harsh father. And so I kind of saw God in my mind saying, young lady, you've made your bed, now lie in it. Mm -hmm. So I felt trapped. Yeah. And about the time that I felt like I couldn't take it anymore because we argued all the time. Tim came from an alcoholic home and I came from a religious home. And sadly, those two homes are very similar mm -hmm. with using shame and guilt and a performance-based acceptance. And so... Uh, about the time I didn't think I could take it anymore and I was going to leave him, I found out I was pregnant again. So we had two children, 19 months apart. They're now 40 and 41. So interesting story because once our daughter was born, 
we got involved in a church. I did not believe that Tim was a believer. <clears throat> Turns out he did accept Christ at 12 years old through a bus ministry that went through his neighborhood. Wow. We ended up going to a church that I went to when I was 14. And um, we went into the pastor's office to talk to him about joining the church. And I really didn't believe Tim was a Christian, but he was. And so we started going to church. We had two small children and things got better because we were growing spiritually. But all the baggage that we brought into the marriage had not been dealt with. So it kept popping up. Not as frequently as it did before, but it would still continue to pop up. And I suffered from severe depression and suicidal thoughts and uh, had no idea at that time about the sexual abuse. I had repressed memory from the sexual abuse that happened when I was three and a half years old. And uh, it began surfacing when I was 40. So I am 62 and it was a 20 year journey of healing. And I'm so thankful for that. I don't want that to encourage any, discourage anyone that, I don't want that to discourage anyone that has been through sexual abuse because God knows exactly how long it takes to heal. And if he had dumped everything in my life all at once, I could not have handled that. So to back up a little bit, um, we were married for six years. And our pastor knew someone that did marriage counseling, uh, the same type of counseling that we do today. We call it exchange life. Um, he did counseling. He was a former pastor and he did counseling in his home in Fairburn, Georgia. So God put neighbors right next door that were believers and they would babysit our kids. And Tim and I would go on Monday nights for counseling. And I was a mess. I would sit there and cry the entire session because I just did not believe I loved Tim. I did not believe I could ever love Tim. And now looking back on it, I see my heart was so wounded. I couldn't have loved anybody. Yeah. So this counselor began to teach me that love was a choice. He began to teach me that my hatred for my father was influencing my relationship with my husband, taught me how to forgive. I had no idea how to forgive. I just knew it was important. And then he began to teach me who I was in Christ. And that was absolutely life-changing. Mm -hmm. And even though I was in a dysfunctional abusive home, we, my parents had us in a good church. And so I learned the word and was in church three times a week my whole life. But I did not know that I had died with Christ and that I was a new creation in Christ. And so as he began to teach me that I was acceptable that I was loved, that I was valuable, that I was important, that my feelings mattered, that I was holy, that I was righteous. I mean, those truths absolutely changed my life. So began to go to counseling, began to have feelings for my husband. God began to heal our marriage. And then I wanted to help others in the same way that we were helped. And so I began going out to Grace Ministries International, which is out in Marietta, Georgia, they uh, do conferences, they do workshops, and then they do um, programs, training programs. And I went out there for eight weeks in 1991, went through their training program and grew like crazy out there. So um, after that, they invited me to come on staff. So I went on staff there for about seven years. That's when the repressed memory started surfacing. And so God made it very clear, I want you to take a break from ministry and so I began to go to therapy and actually 
Tisha, I don't know if I've ever told you this or not, but I worked at Chick-fil-A corporate for 16 months. And I was the one that would cut the checks for your mom. Oh, really? Yes. It is such a small world. It is such a small world. Well, let me pause you here for one second. So at this point, how long have you and Tim been married when you go to Grace to work? Um, We got married in 78 and it was 92. Okay. So y'all have done a lot of therapy and a lot of counseling to get you to this point. Yes. How Um, long is your marriage at this point when you start to go on into ministry and to help other people? How how did y'all get to that transition of it being just toxic to helping? Oh, wow. What a question because some really deep, deep stuff happened. I wasn't sure if I'd go into it in this podcast, but I will since you asked me. Well, you don't have to. (laughs) I'm I'm fine to do that. I just... I just, it's a, I just think a lot of us really struggle. And if you're mm-hmm. in a toxic marriage or toxic relationship, you know, as people's like, we'll go to counseling and you don't have any hope at that point that things are going to change. We're going to get better. And so just to hear from somebody who says we were at this point and we got to this point and, mm-hmm. you know, feel free to share whatever you're comfortable with, but how do you give somebody hope that you can get to a healthy, right? Well, and- first of all, if we can make it, anybody can make it because we had everything going against us. And Tim grew up um, very passive, very people pleaser uh, type flash patterns. I grew up very shy, but I had stuffed my anger my entire life. And so it came out when we got married and I was explosive. I mean, we would have these fights and you know, Tim would try to not fight with me, but after a while it would happen. And so, yeah, we were even physically hitting each other. And here we had two small babies. Um, so it was, it was really, really hard. Um, but I, again, as we began to learn who we were in Christ, that began to change things. But I'll tell you, the, one of the major things that helped us was learning how to forgive people from our past. And when we do marriage counseling today, people want to just talk about their marriage. They don't want to go back and talk about their past. But if we don't go back and heal from the things that wounded us as we grow, grew up, it will affect our relationships today. Mm -hmm. So we did a very, very powerful. We did a very thorough history with our counselor where we went back and talked about everything that happened growing up and who hurt us. We began to forgive those people. That's when we saw our anger level go down and, and our fights were not getting as explosive as they were before. So forgiveness was huge, but I, it's, it's, really interesting because God did do a lot in my marriage, but I still, once we started going to counseling and we kind of become an example in the church that we went to, um, I still, the enemy would still put in the back of my mind, do you really love Tim? And it would torment me. And as you know, as married women, that you're going to have good days and bad days in your marriage. You're going to hate them some days and you're going to love them to death other days. So. When I decided to go and see if I would be accepted into the program at Grace Ministries, we had been through so much, but we had grown like crazy. I go in to talk to the president of the ministry and he said, tell me your story. And I told him my story. And he asked me a question. He said, Rebecca, um, do you love Tim now? And this is how I answered him. 
yes, I have learned that love is a choice and I have chosen to love Tim. Feel <laughs> <laughs> a robot answer right there. <laughs> what was his response? <laughs> well, first of all, the Holy Spirit's tapping on my shoulder and I start laughing. And I said, well, Tom, I don't have overwhelming feelings of love for Tim. And he said something that shocked me. He said, I think you should. He said, are you willing to pray with me today and give God permission to do anything in your life he wants to do to give you overwhelming feelings of love for Tim? And I said, sure. That just gave me chills because yeah. I, I'm thinking as we're hearing this and our listeners are hearing that too, that no one has ever asked them that question either. To know that that is something you can petition the Lord for um, when yeah. you're in a season that you don't feel love. Yes. Um, that you don't have to live the robot answer, but that you really can petition the power of the Holy Spirit to change yes. your life. Wow. Yes. You don't have to settle yeah. and just live with the status quo. I had no idea that Tim was also praying. God was working in his heart. He was becoming more and more uh falling more and more in love with Jesus. And Tim had been praying at the same time, God, if there's anything in my life that we need to look at, I'm willing to look at it, I'm all in for you. And so this is a very long story. I won't go into the whole story, but two days after our prayers, we got a phone call from a lady from Tim's teenage years who um, informed us that her 16 year old daughter was Tim's daughter. And I was floored. And I did know, he did tell me when he was 17 that he was accused of getting a girl pregnant and they talked to the parents. He wasn't going to marry her, but he would do what he needed to do by the baby. But she married somebody else before she had the baby. And so we knew about that, but we never thought about that. So that threw me into a downward spiral and I became extremely angry at God. I wasn't even angry at Tim. I was angry at God. I was like, how in the world can you allow this to come into our life now where I'm, we've worked through so much. We've been through so much. I'm getting ready to go into ministry. I have no words to describe yeah. how, how I was. And that was a, a, a long journey of uh, eventually getting DNA tests, finding out she was his daughter. Um, we took our children to meet her and tried to have a relationship with her for about a year, but she had a stepfather that she was very close to. And so she was not in our life. Mm. But through that circumstance, that got me in touch with anger toward God that I was too afraid of God to admit to. Mm. Now, looking back and knowing my history, I know I got mad at God at four years old, but I was afraid of God. I had this fear and it wasn't a healthy fear like the Bible talks about I was afraid of God that he was gonna he's sitting up on his throne you know gonna throw lightning bolts down and so when this came into my life I thought I don't care what God does to me I was furious and I was miserable and I was a mess and so when that happened the president of Grace Ministries talked to me he said Rebecca before you can come through our training we want you to come up here and go through more counseling and I remember being offended because I had been in counseling for like two years. I'm like, God, I'm more messed up than I ever imagined. <laughs> but that was really wisdom. Yes. Yeah. So I began to go up there and I began to work through surrendering to God because I could stomp my foot all I wanted and say, I will not have this in my life. But there was nothing I could do about that. 
I'm done with you, God. I want nothing to do with you. And finally, after going through counseling and learning how to surrender, I experienced his peace. And it happened at four o'clock in the morning, sitting in my living room. Many, many nights I laid awake and I would get up and go in the living room and I'm crying. And I'm like, I don't want this in my life. And I knew about, you know, forgiving. I'd already learned all about forgiveness. And I don't know if you got, girls are familiar with this, but in our counseling ministry, we teach people to uh, make a list of everything the person had done to hurt them to really get in touch with it. And we pull out an empty chair and we pretend like the person's sitting there and we get it all out. And we say how we feel and how they hurt us. And we validate our own feelings. And then we make a choice to forgive, to release that. So I knew about that. So I sat God in the empty chair that night. And I'm not proud of this, but it was ugly. You know, I used bad language. I just told him how disappointed I was and how mad I was at him. And when I said the words, I choose to forgive you. I cannot describe to you the intimacy that flooded over me between me and God. And I thought I had a close relationship with God all those years when I was leading people to Christ in high school and stuff like that. But I felt something I had never felt before. The second thing that I did that night is I knew from going to so much counseling that oftentimes a counselor may ask you, what do you fear the most? Because whatever you fear the most has control over you. So that night I'm thinking, what do I fear the most? Well, this girl's going to come move in with us and everybody's going to love her and I'm going to be the wicked stepmother. And so I did what I had been taught. I said, God, even if this girl comes to live with us, you will be enough for me. And I had that peace that passes all understanding flood over me. So forgiveness and surrender are a big part of my ministry of what I do with women and what we do with marriage counseling, because if you want peace, you know, there's going to have to be forgiveness of the people that hurt you. And there's going to have to be surrender. But if you have a horrible concept of God, you can't go to a God like that and say, I surrender to you. Right. Because you're so afraid. Wow. That's, so, that's a lot. Yeah. But yeah. hard fought journeys and, you know, listening to you just be real with God and the fact that you were able to just throw it all out there. I love that we serve a God that that does not dethrone him and that does not threaten him and that he is big enough for us to come with all of our hurt and our anger and we can lay it at his feet and it doesn't jeopardize our salvation. It doesn't jeopardize that relationship. He's big enough to handle it. And yeah. that is another aspect of him that we're not taught. You know, we, we, he's so far away and distant sometimes when our, when we're first learning about God and who he is that we're not taught that that intimacy is um, that's part of it. And that we have that ability to come and say, I'm angry at you. Why, where were you? Why didn't you show up? Or how did you let this, that it is okay to wrestle with him through that. And that's, that is to me has been some of the most liberating and most intimate times with God that we have when we fought those out. Yes. The way I describe it, I felt like I was a two-year-old pitching a temper tantrum, but God was a loving parent that had his arms around me. And he just held me till I kicked and I screamed and I did whatever I needed to do. And then he kind of kissed me on the cheek and said, are you done? And I did not have that teaching of who God was growing up. He's a God of wrath. You know, he's, he's you know, going to discipline you. And it was all about fear. Um, so that 
that was huge. That finally gave me the peace that I needed. And then after that is when we went to meet her. And like I said, she did not end up being in our life. Um, And then at that time is when I went on staff at Grace Ministries. And, you know, we do a teaching sometimes about how God gives you a new name. You know, scriptures talks about how he'll give us a new name. And then we'll talk about well, what is your old name? You need to know what your old name is before you can really embrace your new name. And it doesn't have to be something someone called you. It can just be a concept that's in your mind. So my old name would have been nobody. I always felt like a nobody growing up. You know, I was very shy and introverted. And um, so when I got accepted into the program at Grace Ministries, man, I thought I had arrived. I was like, oh my gosh, I just didn't think that they would accept someone like me and then when they asked me to come on staff I was like amazed but what's so wonderful about it is you know I guess it's good to have self good self-esteem to some point but when when you don't I mean I had horrible self-esteem and God has healed a lot of that over the years but what it did for me is when I would walk into that counseling office I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I cannot help this person so I would say, God, you are on. You're the counselor in this room today. Uh, so I began to grow and, and see God do miraculous things in counselees' lives. And those uh, seven, first seven years, I was at Grace Ministries for seven years. Then I took a break to work through my own abuse. That's when I worked at Chick-fil-A corporate for a while. And then I went back to Grace Ministries for about 16 months while we were getting our ministry approved to be a nonprofit. But those first seven years, I was the happiest I've ever been because I was growing in my identity in Christ and I was watching people's lives change. And it was just a, like a, a honeymoon period with God. Wow. And then those next five years of working through some intense therapy was really painful. I mean, really painful. And then we, uh, in 2006, developed Royal Life Ministries. We were there in Noonan, close to Southwest Christian Church. And uh, we did it out of our home for a while. We had an office for a little while until COVID hit. And then we've moved down here and we're now doing um, counseling through Zoom and uh, asking the Lord this year, you know, do you want us to get an office down here or what do you want to do with Royal Life while we're down here? So. That's huge. Yeah. That's a lot to unpack. <laughs> well, and what a sweet journey in the midst of all your pain that you've been able to wrestle this and I keep going back to that word but your whole life has been a journey with God um, in so many deep and intimate ways that you went in times you didn't even know that but that he never left you no always there with you and that was what's so powerful when you're dealing with people who have had sexual abuse I don't know if they have ever thought about it, but God was really there when it happened. Mm-hmm. And again, that brings up the question, why didn't he stop it? And that's a question that I don't think there's an adequate answer for until we get to heaven. I mean, we can give the pat answer that God gave man free will and, you know, you know, the pat answer that we hear when we talk about why does God allow hard things? But the point is he was there, it hurt him, he was holding you. I could see him crying in the midst of it. And it wasn't a, a, a weakness type crying. It was, it was a hurting for me. And I, I, I've had a lot of therapy where we uh, saw Jesus in the scenes of abuse. And again, that's all happening in my imagination and it's happening through prayer. 
I uh, thought it was really weird when we first started working on that, but I, I had so much healing through seeing Jesus in any memory that I've had that was painful. I encourage people to go back and ask God, where were you? And will you let me see where you are in my mind? And it's, it's very, very healing. I always forget to tell this part of the story because, and people come up to me later and say, well, did you ever have overwhelming feelings of love for Tim? And it's so, so funny that after um, going through that, he went on a hunting trip out to Colorado and I cried for him every day while he was gone. And um, just had, like I was love sick. I was like a teenager to where I started praying, oh God, back, up, back the feelings off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and when Tim came home and I told him that, he went, no, you didn't pray that, did you? Oh. Um, Marriage is interesting. You're not going to have overwhelming feelings of love every single day. But I think that Tom was wise in asking me that question because I think I, well, I know that I didn't believe that was going to happen for me, that I had messed up and I had to suffer for the rest of my life. And that sort of leads into my story of how we ended up down here. Uh, I've always, because it's really, it happened really fast. And when you say down here, you are now living in a condo on the water in Florida. <laughs> you left Palmetto, Georgia, just within a couple months. And now you, uh, you see the ocean picture behind you. You are living the beach life. And yep. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> we have a view of the bay right behind us. And we're two miles to the beach. Um, lived in Noonan, <clears throat> Noonan, Georgia for 27 years. My husband and I were born and raised all around Atlanta. We have two kids and seven grandchildren, and we've been very, very involved in their life. Um, the two oldest, the ones that, yeah, the two oldest, 14 and 12, we kept them two days a week until they went to school. And so we've been very involved. I loved being a grandmother. I could do a whole podcast on that because God taught me how he loved me through the way I loved my grandchildren. I felt a love for them like I've never felt before. And God did so much healing through that. So if you follow me on Facebook, you know, I'm a little bit of a Facebook addict. You're going to either. <laughs> you're gonna either Rebecca and I like Facebook. <laughs> well, you'll either see pictures of my grandkids or something about ministry. Now you're going to see sunsets. But um, People were shocked that we would leave our grandchildren. And all I can tell you is it had to be the will of God. I mean, but what happened was um, we knew that we wanted to downsize, you know, in two or three years, but uh, some circumstances came about in the neighborhood that let us know we needed to sell like right away. So you're talking January of last year, we just start thinking about, okay, maybe we should go ahead and put the house on the market. And so um, when we finally did that, it's the house sold in three days. Wow. So we were like, wow, yeah. And you talk about <laughs> emptying a house that you've been in for 27 years. I can't imagine how much money I gave to Goodwill. <laughs> to right. Stuff over to them every day. It was like, and we'd have yard sales and stuff. But anyway, Tim took me over to a a neighborhood in Tyrone that was for 55 and older. And when I saw the sign of how much the houses cost, I, this just came out of my mouth. I didn't even think about it before I said it. I said, if we're going to spend that much on a house, I want to move to Florida. 
And he said, well, we could. And that floored me. <laughs> and all I can tell you is that seed in my heart began to grow like crazy. And I became so excited. And God just began to open door after door after door after door to where it was no doubt that God was doing this. Now, we loved the beach. We went to the Panhandle every year growing up. And once we had our own family and I would walk that beach. And I kid you not, I never thought about living in Florida, but every year I would walk that beach and I would say, God, is there any possible way that one day we can have a place at the beach? And I never in a million years thought I would live here. But that's where God knows your heart even more than you know your heart. I had my whole bedroom in noon and decorated with beach decor. <laughs> and I'm walking through there one day looking at it. I'm like, wow, God. I mean, this is once when you were moving down here. I'm like, I can't believe this has happened. And you know me even more than I know you. But what happened is I, um, I am one to go to counseling a lot. Uh, I see it more as discipleship. Um, and so I started struggling with some things uh, previously in that year or that year before. And I started seeing a counselor in Peachtree City. And I talk about loving Facebook. I started following her on Facebook. That's how I knew her. So I know a lot of bad can come from Facebook, but a lot of good can too. So I started seeing Connie Jones in Peachtree City. And um, she began working with me once again, I could not believe the sexual abuse came up again. I thought I had totally healed from all of that because I had had lots of spiritual therapy. Then I went to a therapist and had inner child work. I actually had three sessions of EMDR therapy that really brought tremendous healing. And so when I went to Connie, I was really surprised that the sexual abuse came up again, but it was like the final piece of the puzzle. We had a beautiful, beautiful session to where God just showed me some wonderful things. But during that time with her, she said something that other people have said to me uh, throughout the years. They told uh, Tim and I both that we had the tendency to have a poverty mentality. You know, we both grew up without hardly any money. We always struggled in our marriage. Um, it was hard for us to believe that good things could happen for us. And I could tell you that God loved you and God had good things in mind for you, but truly believing it for myself was really difficult for me. So she had a little booklet that she, had, she actually gave me one. She had one in her office and it was just scriptures. It was just promises from God. And her testimony was about um going through a time in her life to where she would read those every single day and how God began to change her mindset. And then a lot of positive things began happening in her life. And it's funny because when she started sharing this with me, I said, now, listen, I don't really believe in the prosperity teaching. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I don't, I don't believe that God's sitting up there and all he cares about is giving us everything we want. But when you, when you come from a background like I've had, where nothing seemed to go right for you, it was, it was like God was saying, I want to bless you. But honestly, I think he was saying, I can't bless you until you believe that I can bless you. And Tim and I would begin reading those scriptures out loud every day. And it just changed everything. I don't know how to explain it to you. It was supernatural. It was like our belief system started changing. 
And we started believing that no weapon formed against me will prosper, you know, and that God had good things. And I think maybe he gave us what he gave us because it wasn't life to us. It wasn't like, I've got to have this, you know, to me, when there's something you feel like you have to have, we need to surrender that right to God. He just began opening door after door after door. So started talking about it in January, uh, house sold in April in three days. Our niece and nephew lives down here. They live in Treasure Island, Florida. And they had um, visited us twice the year previously. And we had come down here twice. So um, miraculously, their neighbor rents us their condo for three months. We rented a condo for three months in Treasure Island and just had a blast. We took a sabbatical from our ministry because we had never done that before. And we just began to play. Now we had some opposition. We had the enemy. I fell and hurt my arm really bad the first week we were here. And then Tim got this bug bite or something on him that got infected. So we, we, everything wasn't wonderful, but we began to enjoy our life. And to be honest with you, the only time I could say we enjoyed our life was with our grandkids. And it was like, God was saying, it's time for the two of you to enjoy your life and to put some energy into just your relationship. So um, during that three months, we found a condo here. It's the very first one we looked at. <laughs> it's crazy how it all happened. At that point in time, people were snatching up property quick. So you did have to make a quick decision. And we, we went from an 1800 square foot house to a two bedroom condo. <laughs> and it's really freeing to let go of all your stuff. Yes. I'm purging, yes. Yeah. So we live here now. We have, and Tim told me I'm not moving to Florida unless I have a view of the water. And I'm like, well, good luck with that. We don't have enough money to have a view of the water. And I could not believe that it worked out. We did have to take a very small mortgage, um, but it worked out. We are so happy. We absolutely love it. We're still meeting with our clients through Zoom. And then we found a church five minutes from here. Mm -hmm. South Pasadena is a very small community. So you can almost walk to everything. Like I said, the beach is two miles away. Our church is like three miles away. And we would keep passing this church and see the sign. And it was called New Creations family church. We had no idea, you know, if we would like it or not, but we started listening to the pastor online and he was preaching a lot. He was going through the book of Romans and he was pre preaching about your identity in Christ. Same things our ministry focuses on. And so we have joined that church waiting to see how God wants to use us there or what we're going to do next. In your new season, your new act too. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's a big one. Uh, what is something, if somebody's, one of our listeners are listening to your story, what would be a piece of advice, a gold nugget per se, you would want to leave them with? Don't give up on God. Just don't give up on God. He, and, and what I'm discovering is there's so many believers. God told me at the very beginning of our ministry that my ministry was to the unbelieving believer. Because there's so many people that go to church that take their relationship serious with the Lord, but they don't have a friendship with God and an intimacy with him. And he wants to live his life through you. When you became a believer, he, 
he indwelled you. He's in you. Whether you feel it or not, he's in you and he wants to be intimate with you. So you can talk to him about anything. You can go to him about anything. So nurture that relationship with God. If you're angry at him, you can't have intimacy with someone until you have honesty with someone. So if you're angry with him, you need to go to him and tell him and work through that. Maybe get a mentor or a counselor or someone that can help you work through that. Nurture that relationship because he's real and he cares about every detail of your life. When my kids were little, they kind of made fun of me about that. I remember one time driving down the road and they said, mom, a squirrel just ran across the road. What does that mean? <laughs> like God meant something about that. But I do believe that. I do believe that there's a reason for everything that's happening and he's pursuing you. He's drawing you to have intimacy with you. He doesn't just want to hand you a ticket to heaven. He wants to be in your marriage. He wants to be in your friendships. He wants to be involved in your life. And so um, that's just what I would share. There's nothing more important than nurturing that relationship with Jesus. That's powerful. So, you know, you, when you wrote back and forth, we were talking via email, you kept referring to a date 1984, like, you know, 1984, I was, you know, a mom of two and and two small children and how, you know, you were just kind of caught in that, what exactly what you've been talking about, just like a, an area of your life that you just were kind of miserable and stuck in. There's going to be tons of people who are listening to this, who can identify with that and everything you say, it, it sounds amazing and wonderful. Like what verse, because you talk about your journey and that's a journey of 20 years, correct? Like, right, right. Twice. Yes. Yeah. Well, when I started working through the sexual abuse, that started like a 20 year. Okay. So what do you say to that young mother who is saying, that's great. And you're on the other side of it, but I'm right here. And I, what verse is there? And I know this is putting you on the spot. Is there a verse that they can cling to something to get started on? Like, well, yes, thank the you. promises took something to claim and while and just they're into. yes while they're in that journey because that journey is hard like does that make sense well, yes the verse that says i think it's in philippians that god is going to finish the work that he started in you That's you have to hold on to that you've got to see the hope at the end of the tunnel the light at the end of the tunnel you've got to have hope if you don't have hope what do you have? I mean, you're just miserable trying to get through it. Those years were so incredibly difficult. I can't even begin to tell you. I cried every day. Like I said, I was suicidal. We were fighting every single night. I was taking my anger out on my children. Um, God will finish the work that he started in you. But I would, I would also tell that person, get with someone that can, and be honest with them, whether it's a counselor or whether it's a friend, talk about you're, the real difficult, painful things that you're feeling, face it. Don't sweep it under the rug because it's just going to keep tripping you up. But face it. And I think about in Lamentations chapter three, where he, uh, Jeremiah is just pouring out anger and frustration to God. And here comes the weed eater. I hope y'all can't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> when Jeremiah was frustrated, he was angry at God. He said, you know, you're, you're just out to get me. And then you get down to the middle of that chapter and it says, but this I recall to my mind. 
know, your faithfulness is new every morning. Your mercies are new every morning. So I think just to remember that there is light at the end of the tunnel that you need to work through your pain. You can't ignore it. You're not going to get anywhere if you ignore it. You got to work through your pain and remember that God is faithful. He's faithful. And I know one year is like a thousand years with God. And I know I, I read Beth Moore's book, To Live as Christ. And that verse that says, I'll endure this momentary suffering for what's ahead. I mean, that made me mad when I would read that. Like, this is not momentary suffering. You know, it's year after year of misery and pain. But the years go by so quick. And when I look back on it now, the, yes, the pain, even when I went through the sexual abuse was indescribable. It, it's kind of like having a baby, you know, that you forget the pain once you get through it. And God's faithful. He's with you. He's with you when you're in the middle of that fight with your husband. He's right there. He's with you when you're working through a betrayal of some type with a friendship. Lean into him. But the one verse that I had that I wanted to share with you that goes back to your concept of God in Psalms 910, it says, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. But those words, know your name, those who know your name, that means the character of God. If you can't trust God, you don't see him in an accurate way. Ask God, say, Lord, show me where my view of you is distorted. Help me to see you the way you really are. And as he begins opening your eyes to how he truly is, you will be able to trust him and surrender to him. That's huge. Yeah. So as we wrap up today, we just want to ask you a question that we ask all of our guests. What legacy do you want to? Of course, I want people to know Jesus. That's the most important thing. My heart's desire is to have my grandkids love Jesus, to really know him, to really love him. When I think of legacy, I think about my grandchildren. I just love them so much. Uh, I just want them. I don't care if they, you know, are in full-time ministry or they're working in a church. I want them to love God and to know how much God loves them. Yeah, that's huge. It is huge. Yeah, huge. It absolutely is. And the Bible talks a lot about that. Just about, you know, it was such a culture of family, of um, generations, you know, and, um, I think God honors our heart's desire with that when we desire him. But Rebecca, thank you for sharing your heart, sharing your journey, the good, the ugly, I know. All, <laughs> all, that, of it. <laughs> all of it, because we all have that. You've just been bold and brave enough to share the hard that you've been going through. And I pray today as our listeners listen to that, I know we've been encouraged Yes, but that someone will feel empowered to go and share the you know, wrestle, find somebody to share it with, like you said, to wrestle through it um, and develop that intimacy that God is so willing to offer and wants to have with us. Absolutely. And just a, really quick, how can people connect with you? Um, I'm going to also put it in the notes of the show links to your website, but just really quick, how can they connect? Okay. We have a website, royallifeministries.org and it's ministries plural. And I'm also on Facebook. There's a Royal Life Ministries Facebook page, there's a Royal Life Ministries women's group, 
on Facebook also. Great. That's great. Good. Well, hopefully our listen, listeners will connect with you and you have an amazing testimony and your desire to help others is just amazing. So thank you. Well, I enjoyed it. Well, we thank you very much. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for, for hanging in there with us. And um, we look forward to our next time together. Absolutely. Bye, you guys. Remember, whatever your journey is, whatever your story is, own it, live it, and let God use it. Have a blessed day.